Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. Thanks so much for coming. Um, it's a great pleasure for me to be invited to do this. Um, <coughs> Damon probably needs no introduction. I'm sure I do. I'm sure I do. <laughs> but I'm going to give him one. He began his career when he was a, an enchanting child, I know. Played his mother a couple of times. And um, that was in The Sullivans and Taurus Rising and any number of shows. Dropped out for a while to, to complete high school and then came back as an adult. You'd know him now because he splits his time between the US and Australia. Series like Justified... In Excess, The Outlaw, Michael Howe, um, Flesh and Bone. He uh, combines a life in Australia with a life in America, but it wasn't ever thus. So I thought we'd ask, or I'd start by asking, about that first decision to go and try your luck in America. Yeah, I, I, I was, I guess, relatively late when I first decided to go. Um, I was about 29, and... Uh, was certainly at a time when people weren't doing it as much. There were there were the big, big name actors like the Nicoles and Russells and all those guys that had been doing it in the in the movie star sense. But um, there wasn't this kind of this thing that happens now where people just um, up and head over in in kind of hordes as they do uh, either straight from school or straight after drama school. Or uh, so uh, the impetus for me was that my agent at the time in Australia was uh, Stacey Testro who had just started up a management company over there and um, she was going to be representing um, Australians that she currently represented in Australia in America and and she was going to take on new people as well Um, and she's had a lot of success doing that she represents uh, Lee Winnell and James Wan who made all the Saw movies and and they've done incredibly well um, so at the time, it was really, uh, it was really that, that that gave me the idea of going. And um, I heard about the green card lottery, uh, which I'm sure a lot of you know a bit about, which is where you you enter a, a lottery essentially to to win an American green card. They give out um, fifty thousand a year around the world, and Australia gets a, a good chunk of them, I believe. Um, initially, it's just luck, and um, after that, they decide on whether you get it based on other factors but um so I entered it once and got it the first time and uh that was in uh 99 and um I yeah planned to basically move to LA I was certainly for I'd given myself a year I was going to move to LA for a year and uh I sold up everything and had farewell parties and and um and it was kind of terrifying especially as I say because it's you know, I'll get into this more later, but it's not really that terrifying now because there are just Australians on every street corner. Like, it's just, you don't feel like you're away from home particularly, but then it was completely different. And um, so I went over and fairly quickly realised it wasn't all palm trees and green lawns and uh, uh, excitement. It was, uh, it was probably... You know, probably maybe the worst experience of my life actually um, I, uh, I was planning to go for a year I ended up staying 10 weeks um, I, uh, 
I mean, everything everything that I that could have been awful about it was awful. I was I, I just started seeing this girl in Sydney, and so I was not going to be able to see her. And then I moved in with someone over there, and that was really not a pleasant experience. Like they just weren't a very nice person to be around. And uh, I didn't have any friends at all. Um, I mean, I knew maybe two people a little bit. And we caught up once, um, and I I didn't get any auditions at all so I, I was with Stacy and it wasn't wasn't her fault I mean she she got me a couple of uh, meetings with agents over there but um, yeah what I know now that I didn't know then was that you know the fact that I'd been working for you know by then I guess 22 years I'd been working since I was a little kid um, and had done all this work here didn't count for anything at all it didn't matter one bit and um, I didn't expect that I thought that would count for something I thought my show reel with scenes from water rats might mean something but, but it didn't um, so I, I, I did about three meetings I think with agents and none of them took me on and uh, I think because Stacy was just starting up as a manager there you can actually get auditions just with a manager but at that point I think the combination of her, her being new and me being uh, completely undesirable in every way uh, was not um, a, it, I didn't get any auditions so I found myself in in LA um, having no friends um, and having no sign of getting even an audition to then get work and that and if you've been to LA um, you know LA is very a place that I, I think is very very dependent on your experience uh, your particular experience in LA like I, New York's kind of the opposite I think New York is, is a city that the city gives you everything you, you, you can just walk around all day and feel like you've, you, you're alive whereas LA it feels like everything's closed or everything's behind glass or something and you're just kind of scratching at the glass and they don't want to let you in um, uh, unless they decide to let you in and then they're, then they're letting you in and hugging you you know it's, it's kind of it's one or the other and so um, yeah, that uh, I, that became very quickly a very, very demoralising, depressing experience where I was literally getting into my car to, to, to so I would leave the house and just driving around streets for something to do in the day because I didn't know what else to do. It was, yeah, it was awful. Um, and that's the end of the story. <laughs> 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 but, mm. In so two, I came back. Yeah, you came back. But in 2005, you did House of Wax, which is the remake of the famous horror film. Right. And tell me what happened then. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, it might have even been 2004 that we actually shot it. I can't remember, but it was certainly around then. And um, that was an American film uh, shot in Queensland. Um, and I got this role in that, which was a sort of a role that I hadn't really played before. I was playing a lot of nerdy nice guys up to that point and this was this really kind of inbred um redneck southern <coughs> disgusting truck driver guy and um and it was kind of the well one of the only australian uh characters uh, sorry cast in in an american uh film with with an american cast and american characters including and that, paris hilton including paris hilton <laughs> who's very nice i've got to say um, um uh, and and that that was a great time. That was very fun. I I, I um, you know I'm probably in the film for about ten minutes, but you know as these things often happen, you, it was a lot of days shooting. Uh, I, I um, 
was back and forth to Queensland quite a bit. And, uh, you know, all the cast were really nice. We all became friends at the time and they were all saying, you know, you know, when this, when this premieres, you've got to come to America for the premiere. And, and, and I'm thinking, you know, that was... At that point, I think I decided I never wanted to go back. It was, it was such an awful experience that I was happy to say I tried that it didn't work. I don't. I don't want to ever do that again. But I did realise that um, one of the things that had been lacking, one of the main things that had been lacking in that last trip, was an American credit. Um, so yeah, and I also thought, look, what what's to lose by just going to the premiere? You know, that would be a fun. What would that'd be a fun thing to do? These are nice guys, and 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 we had a great time, and and I could go to LA for a month and go to the premiere, and. Um, I, by that stage, I was with a different agent, Lisa Mann, and she hadn't... Um, as, I mean, most agents at that point, and this is something else that's changed too, didn't really have contacts in America. Shanahan's did and, and uh, Robin Gardner did, but most of them, um, unless they had a big Australian sort of movie star working over there, didn't really have those contacts. And um, Lisa decided to, because I was going to be going over there for this, to do a trip before that and get meet some other agents and managers over there because I think she sort of sensed that this was a something that might start happening and um so I went I went I went over to the premiere and it was great fun and um it was it was two weeks before actually I went there two weeks before the film was opening because um uh I I decided I'm gonna try and you know see if I can get an agent or a manager out of it and uh people were saying you know you want to do it before the film opens because that's when they're excited about what the film might be and how big your role might be in it. As soon as it's out, then it can all go to shit because, they, you know, they can go, you're not in it very much, you were bad in it, the film didn't make any money, we don't care at all. Mm-hmm. So, so, but um, as it turned out, there were billboards all over LA for it and, um, yeah, as I say, they didn't know how much I was in it and, you know, you could go to meetings and, you know, pretend you're in it a little bit more and, um, uh, and you know, there's a thing that I think people in, in, um, in, in America, more, even more so than here, the real fear of missing the boat on something and I think that that's, uh, you know, something that, you, you know, you can use as an actor over there uh, to, to your favour is, is that thing of, of them not wanting to be the one that didn't sign somebody and then someone else signed them and then they got success and they missed out. So you're kind of banking on that to some degree and the film having not been out yet, that was working in my favour a bit. Having said that, I wasn't... I, got, I mean, nearly everyone said no as well. I, I, I still didn't... I still wasn't flooded with the offers. I was... I think I met 11 agents and managers and one agent and one manager said yes. Um, so I went with them. <laughs> explain the difference there because in Australia most actors have an agent or a manager, they don't have both. Can you yeah. explain that relationship for Yeah, I mean you don't have to have both. Um, they, I think from a legal standpoint they have different, they actually um, you know, have, have legal definitions that, that differ and, and managers are allowed to also produce things which agents can't. And, but essentially, I guess an agent there is kind of the same as an agent here. Um, and a manager there is, is just somebody who is a bit more of a, a personal overseer of your career. Um, I guess an agent is more like, you know, someone who's trying to get you 
work and is a bit more throwing the spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. You know, here you go, we've got this audition, we've got that audition. The manager is meant to be a bit more, okay, well, let's see, a bit more discerning, I suppose. Let's have a look at what's on offer here and is this a good thing for your career or not. So that's, that's essentially the difference. You don't have to have both. Um, obviously, if you do have both, you're paying twice as much commission. But um, I figure that uh, if you're starting on the back foot already, if you're nobody, then having two people and paying them twice is better than having one person and paying them no commission of nothing because you're, <laughs> you're not getting any work. You know? So I think often, yes, they're doing the same thing, but hopefully they're actually working together and... Um, Together and separately, they're more inclined to find you stuff. And I've, I've definitely had, um, I guess, the, the two biggest um, jobs I've had there TV-wise. Uh, one was found by my agent and one was found by my manager. So, I, I, you know, I, it, it can, can be worthwhile to do it. And I would say to anybody that's new to it that, doesn't, that's, that hasn't gone in with, uh, on the back of some big movie or something where they're going to have everybody calling them, you kind of want... You want as many people calling on your behalf as possible, I think. So two is better than one. And uh, if you have an agent and a manager that both want, are good and want to take you on, I would say it's a, a thing worth doing. And they work collaboratively on your career? They do, yeah. Getting back to... So you finished... Um, you found yourself an agent and a manager. Yeah. And then I believe you, you toured and froed between Australia and the US. Yeah, so I, I kind of decided to um, do some trips for three months at a time um, and it's it's I mean it, it, it changes a lot dependent on if there's work or not work and which country it's in but generally uh, I still split my time half and half which not a lot of people do um, I'm not sure why but I, I find that a lot of my friends uh, or people I meet either move there completely or they'll just do one month for a, in a year or something you know um, but I think, uh, and look, obviously that depends on, you know, whether logistically you can do that, you know, whether you um, have saved enough money working here to then go there for three months with the potential of not earning any money and if people have families, that's also hard. But um, anyway, that's what I started doing. I, I went over there for three months. Um, for pilot um, season? I think... I think the first time I went actually wasn't pilot season. I think that's because... I think the film had come out in May or something and pilot season is like January to March so um, that was a long way away and, and I wanted to I got an agent and a manager and I, and I wanted to kind of get a move on I guess to not to not let that which is something else actually worth keeping in mind is <clears throat> there's definitely a, an, an out of sight out of mind thing that happens over there too where if you are represented by someone um you know it's it's probably not a great thing if you do get an agent or a manager to go awesome i'm set and then just come home for two years because they will forget about you i mean that's changed a lot because you can upload auditions to the internet now and you couldn't do that when i started going i was doing self-tapes on and then fedexing mini dv tapes to the other country which seems so archaic now but it wasn't that long ago um so yeah you know there was definitely an element of going okay i need to uh, I need to go now because, you know, someone's taken me on. I want to see what they can do. Um, but it took a few goes. Mm. It took a few goes. Yeah, so I went over uh, for, the th for three months, had 
not many auditions, didn't get anything, and then I went back uh, in January for three months for pilot season. Again, not not as many auditions as I would have liked, and um, uh, you know, not yeah, didn't get anything. And 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 I was, I mean, I'm I'm, I wish I was a bit more driven by those scenarios. I think, but I, I'm sort of, I'm I'm probably. Um, wouldn't say pessimist. I'd say a realist. Um, I was kind of going, okay, I guess this isn't going to work out. I mean, I, I just I'm not auditioning much. I'm not getting close. Um, I probably will. I'll do one more trip, and um, and that was what I decided I was going to do this third trip, and that if I didn't get at least get really close to something, I didn't. I was like, well, that that'll that'll be that because you you know it costs a lot of money to go and just live for three months in another country and not earn any money. Um, you've got rent and car rental and, and uh, you know, everything else. So it's, it, it just seemed like that was, I, was, I just quickly was realizing that, you know, I, I, I was 35 by then and it's like 35 character actor that nobody knows really anything I've done. House of Wax, I didn't care about that. That had been and gone and it just, yeah, I just thought, um, I'll do one more trip and then and then base my decision on that. If, if nothing happens, I was just going to leave it. And what happened when they rang about the unit? Yeah, so the third trip I did, I, I think it was it was either the second or third day I'd been there on this trip, and I got an audition for a show, a guest role. It was two two reasonably good scenes in um, a show called The Unit, which I'd never heard of. It was a CBS um, show set around um, a military base or something. I can't even remember now. But, um, and it was a military right, right. That's right. That's right. So it was a it was a military a military show on CBS, and um, I went in and. Um, auditioned for a woman called um, Sherry Thomas um, at this casting place called Bialy Thomas who are great, they cast a lot of cool things, they cast all of Breaking Bad and um, so I was excited to go in and meet them and um, I did this audition and it was for a quite a, a, a gruff southern um, army sergeant kind of bossing people around which again was like, a, that was a nice feeling because that's the sort of role I never even would have no, I would have, could have begged for that audition here, and they would have been like, "That that is not Damon. You know, he's not gruff army sergeant." But because the advantage of them not knowing me over there, they didn't have a, they didn't have a, a they couldn't pigeonhole me because they didn't know who the hell I was. So, um, so that was one good thing about nobody knowing who I was. Um, so I went in, I did this audition, and. Um, uh, and Sherry said, uh, "Cool, okay. Well, we'll get you back this afternoon um, to um, to do a, to do it again for David Mamet." And I was like, "Sorry, what?" Um, she said, um, "Yeah, we'll get you back to do it for David Mamet." Um, now, I'm sure some of you from that reaction know who David Mamet is. For those who don't, he's like one of the great playwrights and filmmakers of the last fifty years, and I was a massive fan of his, and. Um, I, I, I still couldn't quite place that she was talking about the same name that I've seen written on a play being in a room in this building. I just didn't, and I, was like, I said, not the, not the, you don't mean the playwright, David Mamet. She's like, yeah, this, this is his show. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean this is his show? She's like, well, he, 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 this is, he created this show and he, he writes uh, some episodes and he directs some episodes and he's writing and directing this episode. 
And um, I was just like a kid in a candy store. I was like, I'm going to meet David. I'm going to meet David Mamet today. I'm going to meet David Mamet. And uh, um, she was, I was thinking I should calm down a bit here. But yeah. Um, and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, then I had about five hours to go away and um, just work on this scene like I've never worked on any scene because I thought, well, at the very least, I, I don't want to be bad in front of David Mamet. I want to make sure that um, I can walk out with my head held high. Um, so I went and ran it with some friends and came back and, um, and there met David Mamet and um, he's this really lovely guy wearing short shorts and uh, he was uh, really friendly and um, did this audition and um, uh, he didn't uh, direct it at all from what I remember. Um, I do remember him, uh, there was a camera there and I was here and the reader was there and he was on a couch over there and during the audition I remember he got up and walked while I was acting, it was so weird because I was like, don't look at David Mamet walking, don't look at David Mamet. So why is he walking? Where is he going? And he walked over to the camera and looked in the viewfinder of the camera, which is, uh, um, he's entitled to do, but it was very scary. And, uh, and then um, I think, yeah, like an hour and a half later, um, I got a call saying, you got the role. So um, that, that sort of changed everything in the sense that uh, I, I had gone from thinking this was completely impossible to, to work in this country. It was just never going to happen. To going, okay, it's possible. You know, it may be the, it may be the only job, um, but but it's possible. You know, um, and that I guess you know certainly in my mind made me. You know, that bought me a couple more trips. It just psychologically, I was like, okay, I will, I I won't just leave it at this. I'll I'll come back again because now this thing that didn't seem possible is is possible and of course he asked you back yeah about six months later he made a film called red belt um uh with chuatella edge of four um and there was a small role uh, but but uh there was a, a role of of somebody who worked in this um uh jiu-jitsu um festival thing anyway it was it was it, it, it was um it was it was based yeah I just just got a call one day saying I um David Mamet's people have called and said do you want to do this role in this film Red Belt and it was that was a very small role but it it just came out it came came about purely because of that um that uh that experience um um and then many years later there was um an even crazier experience where I hadn't seen him for. Um, so that, those two things happened within six months and then years passed so I was like oh I obviously didn't impress him there because um, <laughs> nothing else happened but um, that was like 2006 or something and then um, about like eight years later I think it was 2014 um, I ran into I was doing this show called Flesh and Bone and I ran into his daughter through a mutual friend and his daughter is on Girls um, and uh I said, um, oh, you know, you should say hi to your dad. I, I, I worked with him a couple of times years ago. And about a week after that, I, um, I got a call from my agent saying, um, uh, oh, no, so it wasn't from my agent. No, it was, an e it was, it was a call from David Mamet's assistant. That's right. Um, saying, oh, hi, it's Pam, David Mamet's assistant. And it was like years later. And he said, "Oh, just wondering if you're going to be in LA on this date, on Monday or something." And I said, "Well, I'm 
actually going to be in um, in uh, New York. But um, I mean, if I'm not working, I suppose well, I could. And she said, um, "Oh well, um, Dave's got a new play that he hasn't heard. It's a it's a two hander, and he just wants to um, he just wants to hear it out loud." Um, and so he just wants to read it for, just for the director and for him, and it, it'd be you and Al Pacino. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, so you can imagine my reaction to that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I said, I'm sorry, I can't be flying back to LA. Today. Um, anyway, so that, that um, yes, I immediately rang my agent and said, um, I don't know if I'm working on Monday the 16th, but can you please make sure I'm not and do anything because I just got this call. And anyway, ended up, I didn't have to work and I flew back and, uh, and did that. And it was, yeah, it was, you know, bizarre. It was like four people sitting in a room. There was the, the woman who just won the Tony for directing a play on Broadway that year and David Mamet and Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, jumping ahead. Jumping ahead. Uh, sorry. Because there was another job that kind of was a breakthrough as well after all that struggle, and that was when you got the guest lead in Cold Case, an episode of Cold Case, which was at that time probably the best rating, the highest rating crime show. And that audition process is quite fascinating because it was four parts. And yeah. I wanted you to talk us through that because I think that would be very informative for people. Yeah, it was, I think because, again, they didn't really, I mean, they didn't know me apart from, I, I, I probably had a couple of American credits on my reel by that point. Um, you sort of, you know, you just keep, you start with this fully Australian reel over there and you just keep kind of bumping the old Australian <laughs> stuff off and putting American stuff at the front and hoping it looks like you work there all the time. But, um, yeah, um, yes, so this role came up and it was actually a really, really good role. It was like this, this um, very creepy serial killer and... Uh, and he was in a lot of the episode and had big kind of monologues and it was it was uh, an amazing role and um i uh first of all because the casting place didn't know me from a bar of soap i had to do a thing called a pre-read which is a thing that they do over there which is um it's it's not it's not very fun because basically it's 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 you go in an audition for someone Usually not the head casting director or, or the person who's mainly in charge. It's, it's uh, usually somebody lower down and it's not recorded in any way. So you, you would, it's, it's basically the, the, someone being a gatekeeper so that you don't waste everyone's time by, you know, bringing... If they don't know you, they don't want to bring in, um, bring in someone they don't know and then have them in front of the casting director and the producers of the show and you'd be really bad and they're like, I'm so embarrassed that we brought this guy in. So they do a pre-read to see if you are worthy of going to do an actual audition. And um, they're awful because you, you, you're, there's nothing to show for it. You can't, you're just relying entirely on this one other person saying whether or not they should see you or not. And you know, you might do an okay job and they didn't think you did or were they were texting someone or something. I mean, it's like, you know, I've, I've actually done a pre-read for something uh, where the woman was, who was reading opposite me, did not once look up from the script. Not once. So it was like I was auditioning for a radio play. Like, there was no... It was just my voice that she could hear. So, I, you know, you kind of... You're, and I'm still acting at her. Like, I'm still, like, doing the scene going like this, but I'm just seeing the top of her head going, is she ever going to look up? I mean, how does she know whether this is any good just from my voice? 
Um, and I didn't get it. Didn't, didn't get that. Um, anyway, um, so the cold case did a pre-read. Then I, got, then I had to go back and do an audition for the casting director on tape this time. And then they showed that to the producers. And then had to go back and do another audition with the director of the episode and the producers and the casting director. And then after that, I had to do come back and do another one of different different scenes, and then it was just down to me and one other guy, and and that's awkward because then he's he's in the waiting room. It's just you two in the waiting room, and you know that you're the two, and you both want each other to die. And, <laughs> you know, um, and so I, um, yeah. Anyway, ended up that ended up uh, working out, and um, and it was yeah, that was that was the first kind of chunky, meaty sort of thing I did over there um, and and yeah and I was still coming back here and back, back and forth doing stuff um, and I suppose that was pretty close to um, Justified happening I think would have been the next thing around then I just want to talk a bit about the mechanics of that so you get a role as a guest lead in a network show does your agent then negotiate what that's, what fee's going to be, as they do here? No. No, they, um, there's a set fee for guest characters in uh, American TV, and uh, it's different for cable TV uh, from network TV. So off the top of my head, um, it's probably changes, and I, but it's roughly um, $6,000 for an episode of cable TV, and it's roughly or just under $8,000 an episode for a network TV. Um, uh, and yeah, it is a different system because here, as far as I know, there's no set fee. I mean, there's a minimum, right? But there's no, there's no. You don't go. This is an episode. You're getting this. It d- depends on the experience and the age of the person. Yeah. All those things. Um, also, sorry to interrupt, but could we talk about too um, the structure for working on those shows? So, if you're a guest, if you're a lead, a regular lead, mm. what happens in that situation? Well, you have a really long contract for a start, but they pay leads, they pay series regulars a lot more. So in Australia, you know, w- yes, we have a, a long-ish contract when you're a, a, usually when you're on a, a series and you're a series regular, but you don't necessarily make lots more money than the people who are guest characters. In fact, if you get a really experienced guest character in, they can make more than someone who's on the show all the time, even though the guest actor doesn't have the contractual obligations of the series regular. Whereas over there they seem to put a lot more emphasis on the fact that you are owned by them. And and, and it is a longer contract. I think it's usually seven years for network and six years for cable that you're contracted to a show. Obviously if the show doesn't go, then you know, that's you don't get paid for that time. But you can't you can't they can leave you but you can't leave them. Um, so yeah, so but but you know if 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 you are a um, um, series regular on an American TV show, uh, you, you you make a lot more money than a guest uh, character. You know that that they, I think the absolute minimum you would be making uh, would be fifteen thousand dollars an episode. But that would be that would be at a very starting point for someone young. Um, but you know the people that we see on American TV who are you know, famous and, and on shows that do really well, uh, um, can be earning forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars an episode, or you know, when it's crazy like those sitcoms, they earn like a million dollars an episode. Mm. I mean, it's it's can be ridiculous. 
Um, but yeah, the, the, the guest wage seems to be pretty non-negotiable. Um, even when, um, you know, I, 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 we, haven't, we haven't talked about Justified, but this show Justified that I did for six years on and off, I was only ever a guest character on that. And even in the sixth year, I was still getting paid what I got paid in the first year. Uh, because I was hired as a guest character. I wanted to ask you about Justified. What was that audition process? That was just an audition uh, that came up um, for this very dumb, another another southern redneck. Um, <laughs> um, and, yeah, it was a cool role in a pilot for a show. It's quite small, wasn't it, in the first... Yeah, it was, you know, I had a, had a, had a you know for good scenes but it was just a it was just a character in a pilot it wasn't meant to be in it after that and um uh yeah it was it, I, it was a just one audition um and then um went to uh pittsburgh uh, where, where we where we shot it and um you know um met one of the guys who became one of the series regulars a guy called walton goggins who who's one of the main characters in um the latest Tarantino movie, what's that called, Hateful Eight, mm. um, who's a wonderful actor and a, and a great guy, who's since told me <laughs> that, uh, that when he got to the airport and met me um, and, and I started speaking, he was like, what the, he's like, who, who are you playing? And I said, Dewey Crow, and he, rem- he says, I was just thinking, oh Jesus, what have they done? Like, what, <laughs> why would you cast an Australian to play a southern Red, he's like this show is going to be crap. Like he, he, was, he just was really, really, really disappointed because it, because it was such a, um, a particular type of role. You know, I think he was hoping that they would get someone who was already like that. You know, yeah. <laughs> With the, um, it's an interesting point because um, do you go into the room as an Australian or American when you go to audition there? Um, I've done I've done both, and people have different theories on it. I think. Certainly, if you're, if you're in a, I think it depends on a few things. For for film auditions, and, and especially if you're someone that they know, uh, I don't like you know someone who, who's actually worked quite a bit or has come on the back of something. I don't think there's any need to to put on an accent because they know that, you know, um, I know like I'm pretty sure Joel Edgerton did didn't ever do the accent when he went in rooms when he was going there, but he kind of. He was going in for big films and they're, they're casting directors who give you a lot of time. They, they knew who he was because of what he'd done. When you're unknown and it's TV, I think it's a bit different. I think um, they... You don't want to give them a reason not to cast you because there are plenty already. And uh, I think if you are comfortable speaking in an American accent with without... Uh, you know, essentially ad-libbing in an American accent, which is what you're doing when you walk in the room, then I would say do that. Because if you go in Australian, um, then, yeah, that's great. If you do a great American accent, they're going to be impressed by that. But they're going to be listening for it. And they might hear a syllable here or there, or they might think they did. And then they're just going to be like, uh, you know, like, for example, that that redneck role you know if, if I went in being Australian and then I had to be a southern redneck they'd be like constantly thinking oh he's just an Australian putting that on I don't know it's, mm-hmm. that, that, I think they they want to they want to believe it immediately and you're giving them a reason to not and I have had 
uh, I have done ones where I've been American when I start and then Australian when I leave, when I walk <laughs> out. And I, I know people who do that, and that's quite fun because they get a, they get a bit shocked. You know, they are like, hold on, where are you from? Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, Australia, mate. You know, they really bung it on. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I've done that a couple of times. Normally, I just kind of... I find that I go in with this very weird... Because I feel embarrassed about putting it on completely as well because I know that's not how I speak. So I, I end up doing this very weird half-American, half-Australian thing where I and just don't talk much and swallow my words. It's like... Just make noises. Um, but um, when I know them... When I'm... Like, there are... Like, Sherry Thomas, who cast... Um, those that David Mamet thing, and then she cast um, Breaking Bad um, um, when I did that. I knew her. Uh, I, I knew her well enough by well, certainly by now that I wouldn't go in American because that would be silly because she knows <laughs> that I don't talk like that. But but yeah, I'd say certainly for the first time you're seeing someone, or the first couple of times, or until they know you're Australian, because they don't even think it's not even actually. That's the other thing, you know. If you go into an American casting director with an American accent and they know you're Australian, they're not necessarily... It's a different mindset. They're not necessarily thinking, oh, he's coming here with an American accent. That's cool. He's, they're just thinking, oh, he's talking properly. Like, that's just how people talk. They just think their accent is how people talk. <laughs> and that this is an accent, you know. So <laughs> they just think... In fact, they, they don't even use the term... Usually, they don't even use the term putting on an American accent. They use the term dropping your Australian accent. They say, it's great how you just drop your accent. Like, the, like it drops away and American is left behind. <laughs> like, it's really how they think of it. You know? um, so it's, it's not that weird to be in there with an American accent. They're not going, why are you doing that or anything. They just think, yeah, you're in America now, you're talking American. Yeah. You had an interesting... Um Opportunity to, to work with an accent when you played Hartman in Mm-hmm. You don't do a lot of film auditions, you were telling me, but this was one. Can you talk a bit about that experience? I'm working on a feature in America. And yeah, so I'd, 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 the only other feature film I'd done was, um, was Red Belt, and that was a much uh, smaller role. And not, that the, not that J. Edgar was a big role, but it was, um, it was a bigger deal. It was a Clint Eastwood film. Leonardo DiCaprio was in it. It was... Um, seven seven days, a couple of scenes that, that aren't in the film that, that um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and I did, but um, which, which would explain why it took seven days. Um, but um, uh, yeah, that was that was a German character, and I think that that was um, that was one of those things where American uh, Amer Americans when they're casting things. I mean, it's a bit like the accent thing, you know. You're, being foreign is kind of one group, you know. Um, so if you're casting a German character, they will get the foreigners in for that um, because, you know, foreigners can play foreigners, apparently. Uh, which, I mean, that's probably true to some degree because I think, you know, obviously if you're, you know, Australian, for example, you, you do hear a lot more accents than Americans tend to, so you probably do have a better ear for that stuff anyway. Um so I think that's why I got on. I would not have. I was certainly not someone who was getting auditions of that level, um, and certainly not in feature films. Uh, but I think because it was a German character, and also I looked enough like the guy, the real. It was a real guy, um, and so I went in and 
um, did an audition for the casting director that he uses, who's this lovely British woman whose name escapes me, but she was so um, so nice and took took a time and um, and apparently he doesn't go to any auditions uh, even with even with lead roles he he doesn't go because um, people freak out because Clint Eastwood's sitting <laughs> in the room, which I can understand. Um, and yeah, I auditioned for that. Um, and then I didn't hear anything for ages. I mean, I think it was like seven weeks or something. I just assumed it had gone away. And then I just got a call one day saying that I got the role. And, and it was, um, yeah, I was back in Australia by then and, and had completely forgotten about it. Mm. And yeah, I was pretty, pretty stoked. On the set? Um, it was one of the most, I mean, I went, I went into it thinking this is going to be, because I, I get pretty nervous um, to this day, acting, I still, that doesn't seem to go away, unfortunately, for me. Um, and I, I thought this is going to be um, the most terrifying experience of my acting career. I, I'm going to be on a set with Clint Eastwood and doing some scenes with Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. And, and uh, yeah, I was, I was terrified of being terrified. And it ended up being the least... I would say the least nervous I've ever been on a set, and I, 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 I it was so weird. I was like, "Why is this not scary?" And um, I, I would, ha- I could only put it down to the way that Clint Eastwood runs the set, which is he, he, it, it's just incredibly calm and and um, quiet, and nobody's there's none of that frenetic urgency that makes you feel nervous nobody's kind of uh nobody's running around um telling people to be quiet or um nobody's calling across rooms all of the crew are on um the headset so when one crew member wants to talk to another they just go oh hey yeah john so it's not like a library but it's pretty (laughs) but it's pretty quiet you know it's just it doesn't there's no sense of um any urgency and right that that's the case right up to the point when they're doing a take and he doesn't do many takes he does one or two doesn't rehearse doesn't talk to you about the character like it's 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 pretty much he just casts you to do it and that's um then it's over to you which which I didn't mind I have to say because I you know the alternative could have been that I was getting 20 notes a take mm. from Clint Eastwood which would have been terrifying you know you'd be like shit I remember them all and am I getting it right and so he, he completely leaves you alone, um, and but yeah, you would you would go again. I was also like thinking, oh, we're only going to do one or two takes. I thought I would be nervous about that. Like, you better get it right because this could be this could be the first time you ever do it. We haven't rehearsed it, mm. <laughs> and we might shoot it once. That might be the first time you do it is in the movie. But even that didn't feel that scary. There's it, something about um, how calm it is. You, if if there was a scene like sitting across from someone like this you'd just be sitting there chatting um, as I say you haven't had to block it or anything so you haven't had to work out where you're going to be or you just he just says well why don't you sit there and you sit there and, 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 and <laughs> you're sitting there and cameras are setting up and then there were times where you like were just chatting with someone and the next thing this this um, uh, um, slate comes in front of your face just going really quietly <laughs> and you're like oh I guess we're about to 
do this. Um, and sometimes he would say action, or sometimes he would just say, like, okay, or, <laughs> or Damon, when you're ready, or something. And, um, and it just felt like this seamless transition between the chat you were actually just having with the other actor and going into the scene. And I loved it. I, I, would, I wish everybody would steal his system because, yeah, you just, you just don't, you don't have that thing of, quiet, please, going for a take, where you're like, oh, God, here we go, you know. Um, it just, it's just, it's the perfect way to do it. And he was really, really nice, and so was uh, DiCaprio. This couldn't have been nicer. It's a fascinating story, because you talked about your, your natural anxiety, and, that, and that, was, that was something that should have been terrifying, but wasn't. Mm. How do you cope with anxiety? Oh, beta blockers are good. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I don't, look, it's, it's definitely easier. It's easier than it used to be. I mean, especially auditions have always been my biggest problem with anxiety. I, I, would, I, I, I am sure I lost opportunities in my 20s because of just completely ruining auditions out of fear, you know, having that out-of-body experience where, you, you know, you're doing it and all you there's another version of you sitting there going, you are crap, mate. You are really bad. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, thankfully, just getting older and doing more of it makes it less... And, and, you know, suddenly the casting director is not that scary casting director. There's someone you've known for 20 years, and that, that, that obviously means that the whole experience isn't as scary as it was when you were starting. But um, Do you audition a lot in America? Not a lot. No, I wouldn't say a lot. Now uh, not really. No, I mean, maybe a, like a couple of like guest roles on things recently after after having done, you know, like doing something like Justified over six years. If people watched that show and knew that show, then yeah, like through that, somebody might say, "Hey, will you do an episode of our show or something?" But I think that's probably happened maybe twice. Um, yeah, no, I, d I don't audition much. Just, just I, um, yeah, I, I don't. I, there's just you know, I, I probably do. I mean, it, it comes in waves. Um, yeah, I don't know. I probably do ten auditions a year or something. It doesn't sound like a lot to me, but I don't know. I don't know if that's a lot. Um, I, I, well, I, I know it's not a lot because I have friends who do like 12 a week sometimes so I know that's not a lot you know um, in pilot season you know that's when people can do crazy amounts of, of where well, you can actually do like 12 auditions a week in pilot season I never did and I think that's partly because most of those roles that they're going for are those kind of romantic leads or leading man you know the main cop in a cop show or something and I just don't get those I don't get those auditions so I'm always some weirdo that they, you know, there aren't as many of those roles <laughs> going. So, I wonder if we could have a chat about some of the practicalities. When you work in America, you are a member of the Screen Actors Guild? Yes, yeah, you have to be a member of the Screen Actors Guild. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, it's been so long now, I can't remember the exact process, but I know that the when you first do a job there, um, there's a thing called Taft-Tartley. Is that, does, does that ring any bells to anyone? Yeah. Um, I don't even know if that's one or two words. <laughs> but um, it, it's a thing where 
they, do you know what it is? You, know, you can explain it better than me. Not in any great detail, right. but it's where someone has to vouch for you to join, say? Yes, yeah. So basically the first, the first job that you get, they have to be, that's why that first, that first job is a bit of a hurdle because they know they're casting, well, firstly they have to know whether you've got work papers. I should mention that green card that I got when I went over the first time, I didn't have when I went back because that only um, stays valid uh, for 12 months if you, if you leave the country. Uh, and I left the country for about three years, um, so I didn't have that anymore. And all the work I've done there since has been on uh, getting visas. Um, so yeah, when, when getting that first job is always a bit of a punish for them because you know often they don't, you don't have a visa yet, or you have a visa that someone else is the sponsor for, and then they have to sponsor it. And yeah, if you're not a member of SAG, they have to do this Taft-Hartley thing where they're essentially the the people hiring you are saying. Uh, having to do a bit of extra time and paperwork to, to get SAG to allow you to join. Um, uh, so yeah, but yeah, being a member of SAG, well, it was SAG and AFTRA, of course. There was there were two. There was a te- essentially a film and a television union, or I think it was maybe things shot on videotape versus things shot on film. But anyway, there were two unions there for ages. There's three actually. There's a their um, theatre union is a third union. They, they, Actors' Equity, I think they call it, um, is is a completely separate union, uh, and by the way, is a lot tougher. It doesn't it doesn't make it just because you might have a visa to do um, work in film and TV over there. That doesn't that doesn't apply for theatre. So, um, and they're quite uh, quite strict with allowing foreigners to do theatre. If you have a green card, you'd be able to because you can do any job with a green card. But um, because yeah. that's the point, isn't it? If you go over there on a certain type of visa, you can't do anything else but act. You can't. That's do right. Kind well, that's of job. that's that's right. I mean, in, in terms of whether you would want to have a green card there or have a, a, a work visa, there are arguments for both. I mean, certainly, I feel like the visa works better for me because I come and go a lot, and you know, if you if you stay away from the states for too long, um, and you have a green card, they can. Uh, they can well certainly if it's a, I, I don't know if the, the period is, is still a year I'm sure it's still I, I have I think someone said it might even be six months now I think they're a bit tougher on it but you you um yeah you don't want to you don't want to be turning up at immigration and have them saying uh, where have you been you know and it's not unfortunately it's not just a, a set in stone thing where you can go oh well as long as I am back within this period of time it's fine. They actually, it, it's actually up to the discretion of the immigration person that speaks to you. So they might say, you might say, what, what do you mean? I, I was here three months ago. And they're like, yeah, but before that you were away for, um, thanks, um, you were away for nine months and then you came here for a week. And before that you were away for four months and you were only here for three days. Like they can actually say, you are, you have a residence permit and you are not a resident. You are not, you're not behaving like a resident. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with a, a work visa, it's more about here you have permission, you have a visa to come and do this particular job um, for this particular period of time. It's not about living there or not living there. So when, for example, on, on Justified, where you were not contracted to be a series regular and a guest, so that you're working subject to the, you know, your availability, you were doing that show, right. and you were doing other jobs as well, who's sponsoring your visa? Well, it probably would have been um, 
it would have been uh, Sony who produced Justified. Um, but you can also um, you can have more than one. I mean, it's, a lot of this stuff's a bit above me, but uh, but my you know, I, I, I don't even I still don't know how half of it do works. Do you have but a, a, a consult, like a lawyer consulting you about you, your visa? You do. You do need to go to an immigration attorney when you're when you're applying for either. Well, if you have a green card that you win in the lottery, you don't need to do that because you just get your green card here and you go over and you've got it. You can also get a green card over there without applying for the lottery, but you're you're, you're paying a lot of money. I think they can be nine to twelve thousand dollars or something like that. Um, and you're you you are applying in a similar way to the way you would be applying to get a visa, but it's it's not job specific. It's hey, I want to come and be a resident, and this is why what I have to offer your country, and um, yeah, please let me in. Right. It's 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 slightly different with the visa. You you can um, you can have more than one um, uh, sponsor? sponsor at the same time. I think they, they yeah. It's an immigration attorney will explain this better than I ever will. But I've I've definitely had um, situations where there's been a a, a a visa that's been specific to a job. Um, and then another job has come along, and because of that uh, visa being, say, Warner Brothers or something, um, and then a company that comes along that's not Warner Brothers, they they can get you, um, they can get their name attached to your visa. It's not like doing the whole process over again. It's a much simpler one um, because you already have the stuff you you needed to get that visa, which is things like uh, uh, press from home, um, you know, anything in the newspaper or, or online that talks about you. Uh, letters from people in the industry um, uh, and and a um, uh, a petitioner which is um, uh, the petitioner it usually ends up being your um, um, agent or manager yeah. and with um you know the situation of being an Australian working over there what's the atmosphere like amongst American actors what's I mean, apart from Walter taking the piss at the, at the airport, oh. <laughs> how are you treated? Do you think? Oh, really well. Yeah, they're lovely. I mean, it's it's not that different um, once you're the, working on things there, other than you know there are just you just see the money, like you see there are just people everywhere. You know, the the crews are bigger. You do get a bit of you know a section of a trailer to go and hang out in and get changed and all that. Um, um, and that's you know that that comes with any from any guest role up you get mm. um a sec at least just a little a room in a in a trailer you know you get you get get somewhere to go and which is great you turn up to the job there you go straight there all your clothes are in there you can hang out there go over your lines um um and you know the catering's pretty good <laughs> there's a lot of food <laughs> there there are just tables and tables of food there's pigs on spits and all like it's just like crazy the amount of it's not like what's what's on today it's like well, seventeen things are on today. You know, like it's it's just so much food. Other than that, I don't I don't find it that different when you're actually doing it. It feels pretty um, pretty similar. You know, um, they might have one extra camera than than we might hear or something because they've got the budget to do that. But um, the general attitude towards performing amongst the wider community is that. Do you see a difference there? The reaction to to you being an actor. I don't know if I experienced that. Do you mean like the amongst the acting community? Or? No, I mean amongst 
society generally. I mean, the status of the actor, which, for example, you know, England is quite high. If right. someone is an actor, they have quite a high status. Right. They don't have much status at all. Right. I was curious to know. Well, in Los Angeles, like, everyone's an actor. So, so it, doesn't, it doesn't really... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, every waiter, every bartender, you know, it, 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 there's... No, I mean, no one's impressed when you say, I'm an actor in Los Angeles. They're like, duh, you know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Nor would they be dismissive. No, they're not dismissive, no. they just like, oh, well, I guess that's, yeah, that's why it feels like 50% of the population are in that city, you know. Um, uh, yeah, there's, no, there's, not, there's not a negative, there's not a negative thing. And there's, there's also, i got to say, never been any negativity that I've felt about being an Australian there. Um, taking their work essentially you know that's a it's a weird it's a weird thing you don't want to think about it too much about you know going god at home you know i i kind of don't want necessarily to have foreigners coming taking our jobs but there i am there and i'm doing it and uh and they seem fine with it it's almost like they've just accepted that that's the center of the entertainment business and that's where people are going to come and it's a big business and it's you know every every man for themselves kind of thing Getting back to the, the practicalities thing, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is health insurance because yeah. it's quite an issue for American workers, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, you don't, you, don't, you certainly, um, if you're going to America, take out travel insurance, whatever you do. I mean, I've had, I've had a, a number of conversations with friends, um, you know, caught up with people over there and they're like, oh, you know, they laugh about the fact that, oh, my travel insurance ran out three days ago. I'm like, uh, you, no, you, right now you need to do that, something about that, like right now. And they're like, oh, don't be silly, I'm leaving in a week. I'm like, yeah, you, if you like stub your toe, it's $200,000. You have to have, <laughs> you, you, like, you, you cannot, do not ever go to America without travel insurance because, um, yeah, it, they, they don't have um, uh, free healthcare and, it's insane what what it can cost. I've heard of people um, spending a night in a hospital there with nothing hugely serious, but a few tests were done and stuff, and it was like eighteen thousand dollars, and they didn't have insurance, and so there's eighteen thousand dollars, and they could have spent two hundred and fifty bucks on mm. travel insurance. You know, it's just it's just not worth it. And then when you're there, um, yeah, well, for years I. Um, I actually just kept getting travel insurance because I was, weird, weirdly, and I don't know how the economics of this work, but uh, travel insurance, getting travel insurance here can actually be cheaper than getting insurance there, even though the travel insurance here covers everything it covers there. In fact, sometimes it covers more. You can have like travel insurance here without an excess that's cheaper than travel insurance there with a $2,000 excess, um, than triple, triple cheaper than health insurance there. Um, so, um, because I was coming and going, I was, I was always just getting travel insurance for the particular period that I was going there. And um, as of, um, I don't know, maybe two years ago, uh, I, I just thought um, I would, because I was eligible, I thought I would take out the SAG health insurance. Could you explain how that works? I wish I, I wish I could explain you how that works. Um, um, it's, um, you, 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 you need to be a member, obviously. You need to be a member of SAG, and I think you need to have, you have to be working a bit as well. You can't just be a member of SAG, because SAG, uh, uh, this is the other thing, like health insurance over there, uh, 
varies wild, 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 widely in terms of what you get for it. And um, apparently the SAG one is really good because I think uh, that they, they uh, yeah, I think that for some reason they see actors as a good health risk. Uh, obviously, they haven't had many Australian actors on their uh, books for much. But anyway, um, yeah, so apparently um, they get the SAG health insurance over there is really, really good. And um, so people want, want to have it. But yeah, you have to have worked, and I don't know the exact, but you have to have earned a certain amount over a certain period of time or recently enough that you can continue to have that. And I've had friends go, I haven't worked for a while and my SAG insurance is about to lapse. And I, if I don't get a job, I'm not going to be able to take it out again. Um, it's a bit scary. You know? And you're maintaining homes in both places, aren't you, at the moment? So what's life like? In just just like, you know. I mean, it's it feels it just feels like it's it's completely normal in each place. You know, it's <laughs> it's normal when I'm here and it's normal when I'm there. And um, you're able, you're able to maintain both. Yeah, the only annoying bit is just the the whole airport flight bit. You know, that thing of going, <laughs> oh, I've got to go to the airport tomorrow, and I hope the plane doesn't crash. And 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 you know, <laughs> and. Uh, and just that whole, and you know, going through security and immigration, you know, and it's never fun going through customs and immigration in America. They're all very serious, and um, they, they definitely, I don't know if it's intentional, but they definitely make you feel like you're about to get caught for something, you know. <laughs> um, they, 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 occasionally you'll get a friendly, a friendly face, but um, yeah, but otherwise it, it just feels like they, sep- they operate separately as in, you know individual lives in a way. I just want to ask you if you don't mind some acting questions. Some questions about the actual craft of acting and your You're asking the wrong person. I know and I want you to tell them that. (laughs) (laughs) What's the question? (laughs) Your personal technique, what your approach, your method, your process. I don't know. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I, 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 um... Yeah, I don't know. I, I think because I started as a kid uh, and I didn't sort of go to a school of any kind um, to learn any technique, I don't really know when people talk about acting techniques. I don't really... I'm not very afraid with them. I don't really... Um, Must have been interesting <coughs> working with David Mamet. <laughs> well, yeah, he invented an acting technique. Well, well that was actually... That was, that was a bit scary because I, I, was, I actually went out and immediately bought... What's that book? True and True and False? <laughs> True and or true or true and false. I immediately bought that when I got the job because I was sure that he was going to be asking me all these questions about practical aesthetics, and he didn't ask any. His only direction was um, faster, faster. Um, that was it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, I just um, I read the script and, and 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 the character breakdown and and kind of. Um, just, just, it all sort of hopefully mixes into something, you know. Take, I guess. Look, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure what I'm, I'm sure everybody is doing a version of one of the different techniques or, or a mixture of them. But um, yeah, it's just a, I just kind of usually read a scene and um, knowing as much as I can about who the character is I'm playing, in combination with knowing how I behave in certain situations and how I might behave in that situation if I were that person. Um, that's about it. <laughs> so the, 
the fashion for um, ongoing training in classes, that's not something you've taken on? No, I mean, no, I haven't, I'm probably just a bit scared of it, really, you know, it's like I haven't done it, and so I, I just, um, and, and, you know, I went and watched the Larry Moss thing recently, I did, went and watched a day of that, and that was brilliant, like I was, I mean, I, I was blown away by it, but there's no way I would do it, I'm just terrified, like, I, 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 I just do not want to, like, it's bad enough that there's a camera and crew when I'm acting. I don't want to have, a, like, an audience of my peers sitting there watching me be judged. So that just is not my idea of fun. That's not to say I wouldn't get something out of it. I'm just too chicken to do it. There's a private thing about acting too, isn't there, some people? It's, a, it's not a, an extrovert's game, necessarily. Some people right. are quite shy, and you're probably one of them too. How active are you on social media? Uh, I mean, not. I mean, I'm on Facebook with friends, but I'm not on You're not Twitter promoting. or anything. No, no. And they say that's you know a bad thing. <laughs> I think you. I think certainly over there, um, they definitely want you to be on Twitter and Instagram and those things, and they definitely want you to have a lot of followers. And um, yeah, I've had people over there, publicist people, say, well, just so you know, you know, if the role comes down to you and someone who has a big Twitter following, they're probably going to cast them. So, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I don't, I don't have no, I have no problem with anyone else doing it. Um, uh, but I, I just don't feel like it's for me, you know, to, to have a Twitter following about, or to have a Twitter thing that's about me as an actor. Like, I, I just feel weird about it. But it's probably just an old fashioned thing. It just feels, feels odd to be like posting something going hey guys check me out this Friday I'm gonna be on the Ellen show or something. it just feels like oh are you mate really good on you <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I, I wanted to ask you about because it is something that that is quite striking and you look at your roles is that you go from playing quite a substantial lead role to a tiny role and backwards and forwards and it doesn't seem to matter the size of the role so what attracts you to a script or a character? I mean, it's hard to put into words exactly what it is, but, I mean, just, just that it's good, you know? I think, I think you want to... If you can, you want to do things that... You want to play roles that you feel like are a good fit for you, that you can... I, I, I've discovered too, too many times than I care to remember that when I read a role that doesn't feel like a good fit, either because the writing's not great or just the role doesn't feel right for me, uh, and then done it, that I end up hating what I did and, and, and watching it and, and cringing and wishing it would be deleted forever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that if you, if, you, if, you are, if you are... I mean, obviously, these things depend on whether you have much tape and you need to get more tape for a reel and stuff like that and if you need to do that then you can't be crazily picky because you need to actually get some stuff to, to have on a reel and I certainly I certainly wasn't in any way being picky with the first stuff I was doing in America because I wanted to get American stuff to put on a reel um, but uh, but now you know uh, yeah if, if you can try and try and do things that you feel you're going to be able to do well and that, and, and that you're going to enjoy. And usually when things are good, when, when the writing is good, and it tends to come down to the writing at the end of the day, um, and, you're, and, you do, and you do 
that, it, it tends to lead to more stuff that has good writing. You know, I, I think not only is it more enjoyable for you and more rewarding and, and you want to actually turn up each day, it usually means that then people associate you with that stuff and want you to do their good writing. You know. mm. So it's based on the quality of the... Well, I think the package... Not necessarily career building is what I'm getting at, oh. I suppose. No, yeah, no, I don't suppose I think of it like career building for me, but I mean, I think that's different for me because I'm not like, I'm not like someone who's gonna be Thor at any at any point. You know, like if 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 you if you were like if you were if you were someone who is a more of a leading man, leading lady type, then you might think about that more because there is a particular career that seems to build mm. from one thing to the next. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I think just doing things that I think are really good and things that I feel like are a, a good fit for me, um, with people I'm going to like working with, that's, that's kind of the most important thing I think for me. Just to ask you a little bit about any advice or any philosophy you have, anything you, you think you can pass on that you've learned. I mean, just, I don't know, probably just basic things like don't be late. Um, you know, people, people, uh, I, you know, people turning up late to set by an hour, one or two or three hours is something that does happen occasionally. And, you know, it just makes everybody furious, you know, and hate them, you know, and they, and, 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 and you know, big movie stars who do that can get away with it for a period of time but eventually there's going to be someone else who turns up on time who's just as good and just as big a movie star so the I would respect say, thing is quite big for you isn't it yeah I mean I think you know be decent you know be decent and 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 yeah don't don't be an asshole. you know I think is, is good advice um, I think Louisa K has given that advice so Say again, Louis C.K. Oh, has Louis he? Yeah. No, he has. That's true. Well, that's true. I just just stole Louis C.K.'s advice. <laughs> no, no, that's what I was going to say. You could you could extend on it, maybe, or maybe that's right. Yeah. No, I mean, um, I don't know. Look, I'm I'm sure there are. That's it's such a hard question to think of an answer on the spot. But I, I would say that that's um, when when you're you know and know your lines. All those basic things. You know, when you when you when you. <coughs> When you turn when you turn up to work with people and they're they're pleasant and the whole thing is enjoyable, that just makes it that really does make it feel like the best job in the world. You know, is it a, a cliche to say that Australian actors are sort of really well prepared and approachable, and that's why they're working? Because that's what the general belief is that everyone's the, the sort of training you get here on the job means that you're ready to go, you're always prepared, you can do things quickly because we don't have any budgets. Mm. Is that true? I think so. They seem to say that over there a lot. You know, that they... So now it's the expectation that all Australians yeah. are going to be like that. Well, I think there's just... I think most Australians that go, that, that tend up, that end up working over there, um, bring with them a, an Australian-ness that is less about... Um, you know, you're you're less inclined to find somebody rocking up unprepared, self-obsessed, rude to people, 
demanding things. It just it just doesn't. We just you can't get away with that here. So, um, you know, people will knock you down if you do that here. Whereas over there, people don't enjoy it, but they seem more inclined to let that let people get away with that behaviour. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. It's a lot of information and a great story and we're very grateful. Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs>